0: Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Next up on the show, William Jackson Harper being interviewed by our friend Linda Holmes, who hosts NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. Harper is an actor, and the odds are if you know his name, you're a fan of The Good Place. Harper played Chidi, the sweet philosophy professor who could never make up his mind.
1: It'd be easier to sort out the issue of dry erase versus paper if I could write down the pros and cons for each. But, of course, I would have to use one of them to write down the pros and cons for them, which is problematic.
0: The role jump-started his career, got him some award nominations, including an Emmy nod, Then, a couple of years ago, he got a part in the critically acclaimed horror movie, *Midsummer*. He played Josh in that. These days, he's got even more on his plate. He's set to appear in the TV show The Underground Railroad, directed by Barry Jenkins, who made Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk. And he's also got a leading part in a rom-com. We Broke Up is about a couple who broke up. William plays Doug, who up until now has been dating Lori, played by Aya Cash. Here's the hitch, though. The two of them split up just days before Lori's sister's big destination wedding. So, does Lori show up alone and take the spotlight away from her sister? Or do they show up and pretend they're still a couple? I mean, it's just one more weekend, right? What could possibly go wrong? Anyway, here's a clip from the movie. Lori pulls Doug away from breakfast to confront him about making future vacation plans with her family even though, as the title suggests, they broke up. What are you doing over there?
1: Well, I thought that was the plan. We're were still together? You were literally making vacation plans with my grandparents. Well, I'm just trying to put on a good show. This is my life. These are my people. You don't have to deal with them after this
2: weekend. I do.
1: You're right sorry, okay? Maybe we should take a little space. Yeah, maybe. Avoid other people, keep a low profile. Yeah, I think that would really help.
2: William Jackson Harper, welcome to Bullseye.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
2: So that's a clip from We Broke Up, which is, um, you know, I watched it with the eye of a person who has seen a lot of romantic comedy. It is a romantic comedy, but the, you know, it's been referred to as subversive. I think that's fair. What did you like about this project when you first saw it?
1: Well, I just, you know, I I know what it is to be in a long-term relationship and to have it sort of fall apart on you a little bit. And you know, it doesn't mean that the love is gone. It doesn't mean that, you know, it's uh, that you now hate that person and you just want them out of your lives forever. It's just like, uh, you know, it's you, you just grow in different ways and change. And sometimes those things aren't compatible. And so there's something in this script that just felt very real. And it felt more like the breakups that I had seen and sort of experienced personally. And so, um, yeah, I just, I you know, I was just really into Seeing what that would feel like to play, you know.
2: Yeah, I feel like I start all my my conversations right now with similar themes, which are sort of um, this is this was pandemic filmed, right?
1: Uh, it was just before pandemic, actually. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we were in February.
2: Where did you film this? Because it takes place mostly at a kind of a an, an old summer camp. Where is it? Where was it filmed?
1: Yeah, we shot it in Malibu, actually, most of it. And, uh like at this really very, it's a very fancy resort, but they also have like, uh, you know, these old sets out there from, you know, other movies that have shot out there. And actually our set, a lot of our set was uh, from uh, Wet Hot American Summer. That oh, movie. wow.
2: Yeah, okay. so,
1: you know, like they have a bunch of random little pieces, you know, on the grounds. And so we shot there.
2: Oh, wow. I would not have guessed it's very convincing as a as a uh, an old summer camp. Um, what has been in terms of after the kind of the pandemic started what what's how much work has been possible for you? How much have you been working?
1: Um you know, actually, I've been doing a fair amount of work, nothing in person. Uh, I've been doing a lot of voiceover stuff, cartoon stuff, and then some you know home theater sort of stuff. Like I've been, you know, doing like a lot of short yeah. zoom plays and things like that. And so it's, I've actually been, a, been able to stay pretty busy. You know, it's, it's a, it pales in comparison to the real thing, obviously, but it's a, you know, it's a way to try to stay sharp when you can, you know?
2: Yeah. What else are you, what else have you, have you done with yourself? Have you been doing things that are new for you? Are you like a sourdough bread guy or a <laughs> watch Columbo guy?
1: I've been trying to watch stuff on the Criterion Collection, and I've been getting stumped by some of the things that I've been trying to watch. I don't want to like badmouth the things that I I feel like I should like, but I am just like completely flummoxed by. But like uh, I've 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 been watching a lot of TV. Um, you know, finally watched all of The Sopranos. I had never seen. I think I'd seen maybe two episodes until. Uh, pandemic started. And then my girlfriend and I finished the whole thing.
2: That's impressive.
1: It's yeah, it's I mean, it's a great show. It's like, you know, it's one of those things where you miss a cultural moment. And you're like, Oh, now I get it. You know, it's like, yeah. that's, that's sort of what it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What else? Oh, Call My Agent, this French show that People I just keep telling love. me that. It's so great. It's so great. And it's really funny and heartfelt. And it's not a daunting amount of episodes to watch. It's right. something that, you know, you can get through. But then like the other thing is actually, I've been, I've been trying to learn piano, um, just to have another skill. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. still trash at it. I've, I, I still sound like a fourth grader, but I, um, It's
2: not bad. A lot of fourth graders are pretty good at piano.
1: Well, I sound like a fourth grader who started last week, you know, like, <laughs> it's just like really <laughs> awful, but it's, um, but it's but but it's a lot of fun. It's like a new skill and it's like I've actually started to retain certain things and it's like I can read music now, which is something I never really had. And so it's you know, when I think about the time that we've had just sort of down and waiting, I always think like, Oh, what did I do with it? And I'm like, Oh, well, I did have I did acquire at least one more skill.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think between piano and and finishing the sopranos, that's a solid. So that's, that's a solid showing, productivity-wise, compared to a lot of people. I think during pandemic time. Oh, I
0: don't
1: know. I mean, I, it, it's it's not a contest. This is it's like a, <laughs> it's it's what it is. It, if you did nothing but chill out, that is that is totally valid.
0: It's bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Our guest is actor William Jackson Harper.
2: A lot of people, uh, I think know you best for playing Chidi Anagonye on The Good Place, which you did for, 4 it's four seasons, right?
1: Yeah. Four seasons.
2: I want to ask you, um, Chidi is a philosophy, uh, studies philosophy and ethics and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. the show had a lot of writing and consulting and conversation about philosophy and ethics. Um, How did it affect you being involved in a project for that long that was so kind of deeply involved in conversations about those kinds of things?
1: Uh, You know, I didn't realize how much it affected me until after it was done. I think that, you know, I... I think beyond the you know ideas around philosophy and ethics that we discuss on the show, um, there is this general. There is just a very the, the the cast, the crew make sure you know, like everyone's a, a good person, you know, <laughs> and, and this like there is like this general sweetness um, on set at all times. Everyone's treated with respect. You know there is a very concerted effort to do the right thing, and 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 you know in just the people that I'm around, and I think when I'm you know around the likes of like uh, Mike Sure and Ted Danson and Kristen Bell, these people that I've like seen for years be great in this industry and be great at their job. Um, I guess I just assumed that I assumed they would be. I, mean, I just assumed that they would be like I, in, there would be something about them like, OK, well, you know, they're they're people that are like really, you know, they're they're successful and successful people can't be kind and care about other folks that much. Right. I mean, like, I, I don't know. It's not it's not fair. It's not real. It's something I totally concocted in my own head. But, um you know, I but just being around them and seeing how good they are, how much they think about what they owe to other people all the time and what is their duty given their status and where they are in their lives. It's, it's hard not to have that enter your everyday thinking. And so, you know, I've had like a couple of moments, um, you know, some during the run of the show and some after where it's just like, you know, I was like, I, I found myself thinking, wow, I, I can't, I can't morally justify this. I mean, even if though, even though there's a payoff and I, you know, I feel that maybe a couple of years ago I'd have been like, "Well, I just gotta, you know, I just gotta hold my nose and do this thing." I uh, I felt like, well, you know, I I I I got to be able to live with myself after this is all done, and I've been working around these people and working on this show that talks about morality and ethics and principles, and I would feel really terrible if I came away from that show having played the. The mouthpiece for all those ideas and not retained any of it. And so um yeah, it, it's it's now is when I'm like starting to really notice that it's really infused itself into my thinking.
2: Yeah, you know, you said I sort of you said you sort of con- concocted this in your head, this idea that people had to be be lousy human beings if they were really successful. And I wonder is it that you concocted that in your head or is it that – because I always feel like where I get that from when I when I kind of assume that about people is the both the repeated disappointment of learning unpleasant things about people whose work I admire and mm. then seeing the idea that the natural artistic temperament is abusive or unpleasant used as an excuse – for people who are abusive or unpleasant. So when you be, it's almost a surprise when you're reminded, oh, there's nothing about being really super creative that requires you to be horrible to other people. It's just a no. thing that has been used as like a pass for people who are horrible.
1: Yeah, I mean, the older I get, I the more I think, like there's really no excuse to be a lousy person to other people. You know, there's it's like, you just don't have to do it. You You kind of, you have a choice. And I mean I understand that there are moments where people just sort of lose control. I totally get that. But, you know, I get angry a lot and I feel that like when I'm in those moments where I feel like I'm about to be really terrible, I pause, you know, because it's just like I I have to I have to do is this the person that I want to be? Um, yeah. and is the the person that I'm about to level this, you know, sort of vitriol at do they really deserve the level of anger that I'm about to give them? Like probably not. And so I just need to, you know, how much of that is just about other stuff and it's about me being frustrated. And I, I just don't feel like it's, I shouldn't make that other people's problem. Um, And so, yeah, that's the thing about working with, you know, these TV greats, these people that I admire so much, these, you know, sort of artistic giants in our field. Like I, I, when, when I'm working with them and they're, super sweet and super generous and kind and nerdy about what we're trying to make and excited. It's like, oh, okay, this is, that doesn't have to be the norm. And I'm willing to bet that that's not the norm, but, you know, I guess it's, I've, yeah, like you, I've seen, I've seen the other part too. I've seen the other thing happen. And so it's, um, I, I'd like to, I'd like to kind of move forward with a more open heart, you know, and just be like, you know what, people are going to be decent to you if you if you really give them a shot. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know, I'm still learning that, but I'm 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 working towards
2: it. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't know until I started reading up on your, your work that you had done theater with uh, actually two women that I've interviewed for this very show. You worked with um, Kristen Miliati in yeah. uh, After the Blast. I talked to her around Palm Springs, which was a really fun conversation. Um, and Carrie Coon, who you worked with in Placebo, yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: So I'm, what I'm curious about is how has this sort of the interruption, you know, those are both people that I talked to extensively about kind of the significance and importance of theater and the theater community. How has kind of the interruption of, of live theater, uh, hit you personally?
1: Well, you know, I, um, it's been a few years since I've done a play. Um, that used to be my main thing was, you know, going from play to play to play. Um, so I think for me at this point, it's really sort of like I'm I'm looking at my friends who that's how they make their living is going from play to play to play. And I'm like, wow, this is a year of you not getting to do your job. And, you know, it's uh, I don't know. I I guess I've concerned is like the, the, the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, frustration that we kind of couldn't get it together enough to kind of come out of this faster and all that stuff. But. You know, it's yeah, it's a lot of a lot of concern on my end, but I, I also just I also just miss going to the theater a lot. Um, you know, it's just like this thing mm-hmm. where you're in a room and we're all together experiencing these people go through something in real time, and it's like what you see is what you get, and there's something about that that is it's really thrilling to me more so than almost anything else, um, which is which is why I did it for so long, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope that theater can come back sooner rather than later. I know people have said things like, oh, theater's dead, blah, 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 blah. And I I don't believe that, obviously. But I I do wonder if this does sort of like, you know, take a swipe at theater when it's on the ropes, you know, and and, and that I'm that I'm a little worried about. Um, But, yeah, it's. I don't know. I think that's, that's the thing that I just feel concerned for my friends who are doing a lot of
0: plays. We'll finish up with William Jackson Harper after the break. Now that he's getting more work as an actor, he's able to turn down some roles. Harper will tell us why it's such a big relief to be able to say no once in a while. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Odoo. Do you run a business or manage a team? Then it's time to switch to Odoo. Odoo is a suite of business applications designed to streamline, automate, and simplify any company. Odoo has apps for everything. CRM, inventory, manufacturing, sales, accounting, you name it. Odoo's got you covered. So, stop wasting time and start getting stuff done with Odoo. For a free trial, go to odoo.com slash bullseye.
1: A few years ago, a website popped up in Stockton, California, and conspiracy theories started ramping way up. And it's being funded by conservative movement underneath the table. And I was like, oh my gosh, you guys, people really believe this. What happens when the local news outlet isn't fact-checking conspiracy theories, maybe encouraging them? Listen now from NPR's Invisibilia podcast.
0: Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. If you're just joining us, we are talking with William Jackson Harper. You've seen him in the acclaimed sitcom The Good Place, where he played cheaty. He's also been in movies like Midsummer and in TV shows like High Maintenance. Right now, you can see him in We Broke Up, a romantic comedy in which he stars alongside Aya Cash. It's out now in select theaters and on demand. Conducting the interview is William Jackson Harper and Good Place superfan Linda Holmes.
2: What kinds of things do you find are are kind of challenging or, or kind of scary to think about doing right now?
1: Uh, well, like large, like really larger than live characters on camera is tough um, just because It doesn't take a whole lot to be big on camera, but it's also really easy to disappear on camera. There's a couple of actors that I I watch that, and I mean, like, actually, Kristen Bell is one of them who just knows how to make things feel full and up, but also subtle. And I think that, like, one of the things that I've run into sometimes is, like, when I try to go big with something, it just, it's too much. And I, you know, and I have to find a way to calibrate that um on stage it's a little bit easier just because it's like you got to fill a house and you just go for it and it's usually fun and but
2: right. there's, a, right, right, there's right. a
1: subtle calibration on camera that's a lot a lot tougher but like that's something that really frightens me or you know someone with like a serious like of a, a, a very distinct physical trait like that's something that I'm like like huh how do I keep that consistent how do i like use it how do i you know it's it's just like little things like that just like it's really more like sort of like the window dressing it's like when it's you know the truth of the character is going to be the truth of the character but when you have something that you need to do in order for that character to actually be able to be fully rendered as what the the writer wanted um like that that sort of thing frightens me because i've never had to do anything that's like physically or vocally way out of my wheelhouse you know
2: yeah. I will say um, one thing that we haven't talked about yet is Midsummer, And mm-hmm. that is probably the biggest thing that you have done that I have not seen because I have refused to see it because I am too scared. <laughs> it's the same thing with uh, with Tony Collette in Hereditary. I know it's very good. Have not seen it. Too scared. Can't do it. Um, uh, were you a horror? Were you a kind of a horror creepo movie guy before you were in Midsummer?
1: I yeah, yeah. I mean, like I don't I don't watch horror movies like once a week or anything like that, but I do love a type of horror film. Like I like like I like a cult film. I like a supernatural film. Like the slasher thing is not really my jam. Right. Um, just because it's like I, I for me I just feel like, okay, so we're we're waiting through all the people that are gonna die until there's one person left and it's right. like so, it's like you know you kind of know where you're headed, and i i get I get bored, but then like uh the supernatural stuff that terrifies me um because you can't fight it, you know, you can't have a fist fight with a ghost, you just gotta <laughs> deal with it
2: so what kind do you what kind do you like
1: well, um well, I love the exorcist uh mm-hmm. rosemary's baby, I think yeah. is fantastic let see, I liked the ring a lot uh that. Came out when I was—I uh, don't know—I remember when it came out, but I was—I was younger.
2: <sighs> movie so scary. Ah,
1: so that, scary. I loved it. Um, yeah, I—I I loved it. I—that—that I, is—that was one hundred percent my jam. I was so excited. It's so
2: upset. It's such an upsetting movie. Oh, it's so upsetting though. I thought about it. I saw that one, and then after it, I just kept thinking about it, and I kept thinking about that girl, and it was so
1: just yeah.
2: disturbing. Is very
1: well, yeah, it's unsettling. It's like the thing where it's like you know something's frightening, but you're not a hundred percent sure why it's frightening, and then yeah. it gets legit, real scary. It's like I love when that happens, and it's and so yeah, I I I love that sort of thing. Um, I really like the Conjuring movies quite a bit. Um, I I think that those are fun. So it's yeah, stuff like that is my. That that is I, I scare the mess out of myself watching those and I love it.
2: What is coming up next? You're in Underground Railroad, yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you're we talking earlier about stuff that kind of scares me. Like that was a project I sure. was like really scared of. Um, you know, just because I mean, a the subject matter is like intensely triggering for me and it's it it's it the kind of stuff that makes me angry and it's it's hard yeah. to, to go to some of those places. Um but also, you know, just working with Barry Jenkins, um, like that's intimidating because I just have all the respect in the world for him. And I think he's amazing. And also, like, you know, this like the cast was when I heard who else was in it, I was just like, oh, man, everyone's real good. Everyone's real good. Oh, Lord, am I ready? Can I handle this? I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm, really excited for for people to experience this piece and to um, to have some conversations and to have some questions for themselves and uh, for people that they're watching with and for their community afterwards um, yeah because I think it's uh, I think it's really harrowing and special and uh, hopefully it makes people mad uh, and because uh, it I mean it definitely did that for me
2: yeah you know I want to ask you with without sort of requiring you to kind of rehash the entire thing I did want to ask you a little bit about last fall a story that you told about a screening of Malcolm X that you were scheduled to um, to host for mm-hmm. military, right? A military screening yeah. of Malcolm X. Yeah. Can you sort of sketch out the, like I said, without sort of requiring you to rehash the whole thing, can you kind of sketch out what that story was?
1: Yeah. So basically um, I uh, work with this charity called Arts and the Armed Forces, which is just, you know, it's uh, a charity that, that, introduces, uh, arts programming to, uh, you know, the various military academies. And, um, we were doing this movie night and they asked me for, uh, three movies that I would be interested in watching and having a little talk back with, uh, with, uh, some of the cadets and stuff. And, um, I, the, I think the three movies I listed were, uh, Citizen Kane, American Honey and Malcolm X. And Malcolm X is one that that was picked. And I was like, okay, great. And then I get uh, an email from my agent saying, like, um, a couple of the academies might pull out just because of, uh, you know, this executive order. um, And I forget the actual name of it, but it's like combating race and sexist stereotyping, something like that. I'm I'm paraphrasing it. But um, they might pull out just in case they run afoul of that executive order. And I was like, oh, that's okay. That's really strange. And um, in the end, actually, three of the four academies that were going to uh, participate wound up participating. You know, initially two academies dropped out and then one came back in. And uh, so three of the four academies did participate and uh, we had a great discussion and we just, you know, that was that was basically it. But I, um, I just felt like, Huh, this is like this is odd because I, I, I felt like I felt like I had to say something just because if this executive order could be interpreted in that way where a movie like Malcolm X couldn't be shown to people, I was like, we should rethink that. We should think about that. And um and so yeah, that's 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 sort of led to me, you know, posting my little like rant on Twitter just because I was like, I, I, I just need to say something about it just because it feels weird to not mark this. Um, I don't know. I just felt like we needed to know that, that that's the sort of chilling effect that can, that this executive order can have. Um, and also, I mean, like I should say that like the executive order doesn't say, does not say cadets cannot watch Malcolm X. so It was like, that's not in there, you know, it's just the right. interpretation of certain people could sort of start to push certain things out of you know it could it could lead to people censoring certain things that maybe don't need to be censored and i just was like we should be we should keep an eye on that you know
2: yeah do you do you have any hesitation when you when you sort of get involved in something like that that is um, that is likely to kind of draw te- the attention of people who are very invested in kind of political back and forth, even though that's not what you're trying to do. Are you conflicted about it? Or is it just obvious that that has to be done when you sort of decide to speak publicly about something like that?
1: I I, I mean, of course, I'm conflicted about it just because, you know, I feel like I'm not the most qualified person to be talking about things all the time. You know, I I, I think that this, with this particular case, it was... Just I just told the story exactly as it happened. You know, like I, I wasn't trying to put too much of a spin on anything. And I wasn't saying like, this is what they said. And nobody came with like nothing sensational. Was like like I said, three of the four academies actually participated. And so it's like I don't like wading too much um, into political waters all the time just because I find myself out of my depth. I'm not a political thinker. I'm just a citizen who has opinions And sometimes because of um, my little piece of a platform, it can come off as if I'm like some kind of authority on something. And it's just like it's just me voicing my opinion on something. And so I try to be careful about that um, just because it's, uh, you know, like. I don't want to get too far out of my depth. I really, and I also really have zero interest in engaging in political debate on Twitter and Instagram. I just, you're never going to, nuance is completely lost. And it's really more about how do you own someone, hurt someone's feelings and end the argument and get retweeted by with someone saying, ooh, totally taken down. You know, like that's, that's what the arguments are. It's it never, nothing is ever resolved. People just sort of dig in more. And so I'm, have, have zero interest in engaging in those uh, debates. And so when I do it out and say something, it's like, it's kind of important to me or it's just, it's legit personal. And it's, uh it's more about my experience, less about what I think other people should believe,
2: mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: you know? And so it's like, take what you want from it. And this is my experience. And this is how I feel.
2: Yeah. I do want to ask you. We talked a little bit about kind of the um uh y- your your thinking around making sure that the decisions that you're making are decisions that you can live with and feel good about. Has that changed anything about the kinds of roles that you say yes or no to? Are there things that you say no to because it's just not the not where you want to be in terms of the kind of work that you want to do?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And As I've gotten older, you know, I, and, and a little bit more stable, you know, financially I've, I've been able, it's, that's a luxury to be able to just say yes or no, you know, like that's a privilege and, for sure, you know, it's like, like the, there, there are people out there that are really struggling and they're making principal decisions before they have like real stability yet. And like, that's like, that's the thing to admire, you know, like. You know, m- me, I'm like, I I would do anything that anyone would ask for a long time just because I was like, I need to, I need to work. I got to pay the rent. And yeah. I don't begrudge anyone making that kind of tr- decision. But, um, you know, like I, I think that now having, you know, knowing that rent is paid for a little bit and, you know, I don't have to jump immediately as soon as someone asks me to do a project. Um, I'm like, okay, well, let me, let me be choosy, um, in certain respects, like, you know, if, if, if something politically, if there's something politically being said that I'm not 100% sure I'm comfortable with, I feel okay saying, you know, I don't think I want to, I don't think I want to do that. And that's, that's nice. It's a privileged position, though, to be in. And I, I realize that. Um, and so like, my hat's off to the people that make those decisions right off the, right off the bat, because that was not me for the longest time.
2: Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's anybody. It's sort of depressing that it's a, that uh the freedom to kind of follow your own ethical mind is something that comes with a, a certain amount of, um you know, money in the bank. But I think it's, it's unavoidable and true for, true for most people.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it sucks. It's hard, you know, because it's, you know, like I, I, I really do wish that, you know, there's definitely some things that I've done where I'm like, I don't know if I, I don't know if Hmm. I don't know if that was the right kind of project, you know. And it's like and none of it's like really big stuff, but it's like, you know, there's there's definitely been moments where I'm like, did I I don't know. I don't know if that's the kind of thing I should have been doing, but I did it just because I needed the experience, I needed, you know, or a paycheck or I just wanted to perform and just see what I could do. And now I'm like, you know, I I there's only so many years on this earth that we all get, and I want to make sure that I'm doing stuff that, you know, when it's all sort of wrapped up, I'm like, you know, I felt good about that decision. I felt good in doing that. And that's, that's it. So yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's nice to, to have choices about whether or not to do like the police procedural circuit and stuff like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally.
2: William Jackson, Harvard, thank you so much for talking to me. This is really fun.
0: Yeah. Thanks
1: for, thanks for having me. This
0: is great. William Jackson Harper, his newest movie, We Broke Up, is playing now in select theaters and On Demand. Keep an eye out next month for his role in Barry Jenkins' TV series, The Underground Railroad. That will be on Prime Video. Harper was interviewed by our friend and correspondent, Linda Holmes. Linda is one of the hosts of the great NPR show, Pop Culture Happy Hour, which you can listen to wherever you get your podcasts. She's also the author of several books, including the wonderful novel, Evie Drake, Starts Over. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is created out of the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California. Although, big news, friends, uh, this little bit of narration is the first Bullseye that I have recorded in our actual recording studio in whatever it's been. A year, year and a half, my stomach is full of uh, cabeza tacos. Con aguacate, no cebollas. I can't eat onions because it gives me a headache. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. Jesus Ambrosio and Jordan Cowling are our associate producers. We get help from Casey O'Brien. Production fellows at Maximum Fun are Richard Roby and Valerie Moffat. Our interstitial music is by Dan Wally, also known as DJW. Our theme song is by The Go Team, thanks to them and their label Memphis Industries for sharing it with us. You can also keep up with the show on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We post all of our interviews there. And I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR.